Welcome to Unsung Stories, where we'll be chatting to unacclaimed mamas in the Christian world who love Jesus, are faithfully seeking to know and love God more, and pointing their families to Him. I'm your host, Laura Smith, and I hope that you will find solidarity with a regular mum living out the gospel in regular ways and be encouraged in your own unsung story. Thanks for joining us. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Unsung Stories. I am so stoked that you're joining us. Who else listened to this episode last time and was so encouraged by Kim? As we're going to look at again today, this episode is such a great tool as we think about communication in marriage. I find it particularly helpful to remember that we are a team, that we are working together to face the problem in front of us, not that the other person is the problem. In the interest of all things marriage, and if you have been around listening to Unsung Stories long enough, you'll probably hear me recommend Julie Slattery from Authentic Intimacy a number of times. She has a podcast called Java with Julie and hands down is the best podcast on the internet. And I know, bold claim, um, I'm not getting paid or any incentive to say this, but she's got a new book on sex and marriage. It's called God, Sex in Your Marriage and it is a must read. Have a listen to her episodes about the book if you're not sure. But good golly, Miss Molly, it is worth stopping this episode now and ordering a copy before you forget. It will flesh out your understanding of sex and God like nothing I have ever read. And just the way she explains God's good design for it. Ah, it's amazing. But for now, let's hear from Kim and her wisdom in dealing with conflict in marriage. Thank you so much for joining us, Kim. Fantastic. Good to be with you, Laura. Just so that our listeners can get to know you a little better, would you mind telling us a bit about yourself and your family and what regular everyday life looks like for you? My family consists now of just my husband and I living in a very small one-bedroom flat while we build a new house. And the rest of my grown-up adult children are all married and living at the moment on the coast. So we have lots of time with our grandchildren. And with our uh, family, it's really lovely. And, of course, the Central Coast is an awesome place to be. Mm, That's beautiful. Nice that you can be around all your grandbabies. That's right. And they're growing, six and one coming. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) So I know that you've done a fair bit of work with couples and their marriages. Uh, Adjusting to parenthood can often come with a new set of challenges, difference in opinion of how to parent, work-life balance, new identities, all the fun stuff. Would you have any advice that you could offer to the couple or to the mum who feels overwhelmed with their new responsibility and now has to deal with conflicts that weren't there before? interesting conflicts that weren't there before. Mm. I think that any life circumstances will bring out the stuff that really is there and maybe yeah. hasn't come to the surface. Um, and as you and I would know, a young couple's marriage is so different once the children do come. Mm. And so there could be things that you have just put up with or thought I can live with. And so you buried a few things under the rug Uh, But once the kids come along, there's just less resources, there's less emotional energy and there's less willingness to let things go sometimes. So when you're tired, when you've got less resources, when the kids are always at you, you will just bubble up and, and burst out more often. 
So it's a complex situation. Every couple will be different. But, geez, I could talk on that for a couple of hours, Laura. Mm -hmm. The, (laughs) The question was, what's the advice to the young couple? It will likely be the young mum who starts to feel the tension more and a quite often a bemused father, let me put it that way. The <laughs> father often says things like, I don't know who you are anymore or um, what's happened to my wife, you know. You, you put a doppelganger in there and you, you've disappeared because they are used to someone who is now very different Mm. she has a different body she has different hormones she has different tiredness and energy levels so it's probably the mum who will feel it and want to raise issues and that's where learning how to raise issues is a good step to start Mm. would you like me to talk about that (laughs) yeah I'd love you to (laughs) okay so or find with it with any couple whether they're young marrieds or whether mid-marriage or you know kids or not kids it's often the case that the the thing you conflict about or the thing that you have have problem with is triggered by something that happens and so the trigger lets off the emotions or the anger, the outburst or whatever it is, and yet it's very rarely what is the real issue. The real issue will be something a lot deeper and that's mm. the trick, trying to figure out, have I just triggered something that's that's deeper and what do I do when I've had that trigger? Do I learn to stop, reflect on and go, what's going on here? What's going on with me? What's going on with you? Or do I just outburst and away I go Mm. and so that will be where couples sometimes end up going I don't even know why we're fighting about this what happened you know and it'll be something as simple as the garbage isn't been taken out or you know you forgot to get the milk on the way home or something like that which in itself in a normal um, situation might be just shrugged off but if it's pointing to something different something deeper which could be as as deep as I can never trust you or you're so unreliable then that's where you've got to go beyond the trigger to the issue. And that's not easy to do. It really isn't. How mm. do you even even know that you've been triggered? How do you raise the issue? How do you understand the issue? How do you work on the issue? How do you move on? And that's um, a big complex scenario. Mm. Where would you start in all of that? So you can identify, all right, I might be acting irrationally here because he did just forget to take out the garbage bins. How do you start with your own anger and outburst and reaction to all of that? Mm. Sadly, you'll often react before you've got to think about it. Mm. Um, and so that's why I did say you sometimes go, oh, well, how did this all happen? You know, we, mm. were, we were quiet. We were, you know, we were driving along and everything was lovely and then suddenly we were in this mess. So I think if you're wise and mature enough to actually say, hey, I've just triggered something here, I think I better be quiet for a little while mm. and sit with it. I mean, if you're mature and wise enough to do that, you'll save yourself a lot of grief. (laughs) If it's already come out, there is a chance to say something simple like, I don't know where that came from or I'm really upset that I yelled at you, I need time to think about this. And that way you're not you're not blaming someone for something, you're not blaming yourself for it, you're just saying something's happened here and I need time to process it. So they're the wise and mature ways to, to start. I think my husband actually does this quite beautifully, and I think that husbands would have to take tender care with it, particularly when you are worked up about something. But he'll often say, hey, it sounds like you've been triggered here. 
do you want to take a minute and then we can sit down and talk about it together? And I go, that's my little cue of, oh, I might be overreacting here. But if I had a husband who was just, oh, you're going over the top, you're just triggered here, I don't think that would be helpful either. You've, you've hit on something really important there. You've got, you've got a husband we need to clone if he's got that moved down. <laughs> he would love to hear that. <laughs> but I also think that somewhere along the line you've probably come to that because you've dealt with a whole bunch of triggers that haven't gone well for you. So a couple who's learnt this doesn't work tries to mm. think of something else. And so what it looks like you've come up with is these are the words I'm going to say when I see that and rather than yell at you and say oh you're overreacting he's gone hmm seems to me there's a trigger and he's got this little pat um, words down and I think that's really helpful it's helpful for him to know what to say because a lot of husbands just go oh I don't know everything I say is wrong and then it's helpful for you to hear the same words because that way you go ah I have reacted badly here. Now yeah. it's up to you then whether you go at one stage, you know, 20 years down the track, you say, stop saying that to me, I'm sick of it, you know, <laughs> and away you go again. But at the moment it's working well for you. And so I think that's a good take home for all couples to think what would work well for us? Is it just a hand signal with a T, time out, time out, you know? Um, would that work for you? Is there another word that you use or, you know, it's just so individual for every couple, what will make them spiral and what will calm them down? And I think that's the difference. We're trying to work out what works for us that will calm us down and help us get to the deeper issue or what bad moves have we made in mm. order that just spirals us out. As you were talking, I was just thinking a lot of it comes down to humility on both sides. So whether you're the one who's getting, if if you're the one hearing the person blow up at you and often saying irrational things, it takes humility for you to say, hang on, I'm not going to react to what they're saying about me. I'm going to in love, steer them in the right direction. And it takes humility from the person who is blowing up to go, actually, I'm not going to act on my overwhelming emotion right now. I'm going to stop and clearly articulate what I think and feel to communicate well together. Totally. And you picked up a good point there too that we, in the moment, take things very personally and we don't go, uh, there's something else going on here that we could address together. And so a lot of couples will, will end up blaming each other or thinking badly of each other as the problem rather than saying we have a problem. So the scenario would go is, you're the problem. No, you're the problem. You're thinking wrong. No, you're thinking wrong. You did it. I did it. You know, back and forth like a tennis ball across the the tennis court, you know, smashing at each other. Whereas if you can, as you said, think generously of each other and and slow the process down, you can actually start to think, well, let's play doubles on this. Let's get on the same side of the tennis court and let's look at what is the issue coming at us so that we can whack the ball together. Mm. And um, that is a very, you know, it takes a long while to actually go, hey, we're not we're not enemies here. We're actually on the same team. And what we both want is a less volatile, probably less volatile mm. interactions with each other. Let's try and work out what's this ball coming at us. And it's, you know, for every couple it will be different. But a lot of times with the young mums especially, it's time pressure and overwork on both sides, men and women. If if you're in the traditional marriage where the, you know, the old-fashioned traditional where the mum's at home, she's she's flat chat, but so is he, and that's the big change. So thinking of yourself as a team and trying to get through those blow-ups, you know, and I don't know whether you want to go there too, but 
not every couple blows up at each other. Mm. And so it can be that some couples say to me, oh, we never fight. <laughs> that was us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was you? Yeah, yeah. And how long? <laughs> Until probably seven years in. Mm. And what do you put that down to, that you would never fight? Um, I think we actually had wonderful pre-marriage counselling and got taught how to communicate quite well. But I think there was lots of what you were saying about just letting things go. We, could, we were both very good at letting things go until, you know, three kids in or even three kids and you're pregnant and have a business and you just get to the point where you're like, actually, these little things do matter to me or lots of it actually was was my frustrations just mm. coming out. I think I've had a lot of questioning why we operate certain ways as in, in Christian culture. So thinking how feminism works into things and going, is this just because I'm oppressed because I'm a Christian? <laughs> and yeah, all yeah. of these questions and having to wrestle through them. And just tiredness. Once yeah. you're both tired, sometimes you just get to the point where it's easier to to yell yeah. rather than sit down and go, actually, we know how to communicate. Let's go back to sitting on the couch, working as a team, looking at the problem we have and facing it together. Yeah, yeah, and that that's that's wonderful to learn seven years in. Some couples still <laughs> don't know that. But it, it is interesting that um, the researchers has basically, you know, as I've been doing reading and marriage counselling and things like that, a lot of it is how you start that conversation, how you actually begin. Mm -hmm. And the concept being that if you start harshly with someone, a harsh startup it's called, mm -hmm. the conversation will very rarely go well. So, for instance, a scenario of the husband that does forget the milk, you know, comes back in. You know, a, a wife could just do the spiral thing by just going, what do you mean you forgot it again? I can never rely on you. You know, you you, you never do what I ask you to, da-da-da-da-da. So how's that going to go for the rest of the night, mm. basically? And so we call that a harsh start-up and actually criticising the person rather than just saying, oh, I really wanted that milk, you know, what happened? Yeah. And yeah. even if you just say what happened and he might have a good excuse, he might go, mm. oh, well, I helped, you know, I helped someone you know, fix a tyre on the side of the road and then I forgot, you know, you don't know. Or just, hey, I'm a human, I'm really sorry, I was distracted yes. and I forgot. Yeah. These things, we all have those moments. Yeah, and I'm going out to get it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the grace to the other person. Yeah. And, well, we can have a lot of grace where we don't feel the problem is that big, like forgetting milk's not that big, you know. There's other issues that are huge in a mm. marriage, disrespect, a lot of contempt, you know, like the real bigger issues of addiction and affairs and all the rest of it like that. They're not what we're talking about today, but I think it's just important to realise that you can't bury everything and some things need to be brought up, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But it's sort of trying to work out the hill to die on is a hard one. And it'll never work well if you start to um, throw character assassinations at each other rather than, as you said, sitting down and going, what's really going on? Let's sit on the couch and let's find a better time to talk about this. Mm. Mm. You said something about being tired. And what do you think about the verse in the Bible that says, do not let the sun go down on your anger? Oh, I don't know <laughs> what the right Bible answer to this one is because I'm, I 
I, I don't quite take that literally, but I know lots of people do. Yeah. Um, so I'm in the stage and I have been for the last six years of that when the sun goes down, I'm still working. I'm still getting up to my kids. And so sometimes for us, it's to, it's not to ignore that there's a problem. It's to acknowledge, you know, we do need to talk about this, but perhaps now's not the right time when I need to go and feed or that sort of thing. So we definitely bookmark it and book in a time to talk about it. Uh, but I do know some people who literally will not go to sleep until they've both not angry, they've both spoken about their issues. Yeah. Well, I go with your your version. That, that could come from 42 years' worth of marriage as well. Um, the later it gets, the worse you're going to be. Yeah. And, you're, and unfortunately, and I, I don't know if this is a gender thing too, men can switch off easier than women, I believe. A yes. woman's brain just will not let it, and it'll just churn and churn and churn and churn. And so you'll find that the woman gets no sleep at all that night because yes. they've stayed up till 2am trying to figure it out and haven't. Think about every argument, every yeah. possible scenario. <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, well, and the um, catastrophic thinking can come into play and you yeah. can end up signing divorce papers in your sleep, you know, um, <laughs> whereas a man can often just roll over and plunk out and then the woman's angry. Why are you sleeping? How can you sleep? So I think that the bookmark that you mentioned the saying, we know this isn't sort, this isn't sorted, but just to be able to say, we'll be okay. Yes. You know, we will be okay. We'll work this out. Even that little sense of oh, relief, it can just calm you down enough so you can sleep and look at it again in the morning. Oh, I don't think you could do it if you didn't acknowledge that there's an issue. If we were just giving each other the silent treatment and went to bed, I think there would be that that wouldn't work. Um, but if we acknowledge there's tension here, we need to work on this. It just gives that, just puts a pin in it, gives you that breather to carry on when you're, like you said, both not tired and over-emotional and had a big day. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it's not like we're saying the Bible verse is wrong. <laughs> it's yeah. just saying, look, the anger might be there, but we'll do, we can't solve it. Yeah, We can't solve it. So the sun might go down, but we know that we'll come to it at a better time and space. Yeah, and I think waiting actually diffuses a lot of the emotion behind it. And I, I don't know about other people, but for me it goes, oh, maybe I was acting a little over the top. It's not as drastic and dramatic as I thought it was. We can we can relax and we can talk about it calmly. There might still be an issue there and we can talk about that, but it takes away all that added emotion pressure cooker situation. It does depending on what you do with that space and that time. And so here's a, here's a here's a problem for some overthinkers and from catastrophic thinkers. The emotion they can actually, you know, spiral themselves up depending on how they think. And I think that's, you know, it's it's taken out of context for me to say, you know, take every captive thought because that's meant to be about Jesus. But there is a point where you have to actually self-talk. You have to tell yourself. You have to calm yourself down and you have to try and think generously of your partner. Now, if you are in an, a normal, non-abusive type of relationship, there will be some very good points about your husband or wife that you really you know, you marry them for a good reason. Mm. And there's some there's there's probably more positive than negatives. And so it helps in that time, helps me to go, ah, oh, he might have stuffed up now, but honestly, look at what he does other times, you know, or I may have stuffed up now, but you know, in general I'm I'm trying to be kind and thoughtful. And so generous thinking of your partner is a huge skill to to develop 
over your whole marriage, to actually give them the benefit of the doubt, to actually remind yourself why you married them, put the, the pros and the cons against it, each other. And as I say, if you're in a in a normal marriage that will have conflict but isn't abusive, then I think you can talk yourself down and be in a much better space, as you say, mm. when you bookmark it for another time. Mm. So you you just saying, hopefully saying then that a normal relationship has conflict and arguments. Some couples would say that they never actually argue. What would you say to that? I think we've touched on it a bit there. It's, it's often in a, a younger couple who's still in that highly blending happy stage mm. of life. Honestly, uh, one of well, one of the the most foremost experts in marriage is a fellow called John Gottman, and his his comment that I remember says, "Lasting marriage is dependent on a couple's ability to resolve the inevitable conflicts in marriage." In other words, mm-hmm. it's inevitable you will yeah. conflict. Now, why would you? Because one, you're sinners for a start. Both know you're selfish. We all want our own way most of the way, but you're also coming from two very different families usually and it will depend how your families have dealt with conflict. So there will be those families who never talk about anything and who just Mm. accept that they can go to their room, close the door, and when they come out, everything's okay, you know. (laughs) And so if you've come from a family like that, you just will not understand the rage that some other people can have that are used to bringing up everything and yelling and screaming and slamming doors and all sorts of things that will go on. So you've got two different people coming to the marriage with their baggage from their family of origin. If you if you say a couple's never arguing, they may have both come from the you know, same sort of family okay. where they close the door and everyone just deals with it themselves and walks out. Does that work in the long run? How do I know? I'm not living in one of those. <laughs> um it's probably going to last a while and maybe it will be the kids that bring it out. But I know it was another another lady, Dr. Caroline Leaf, I think, who said that if you try and be at peace and keep the peace with everyone, you'll end up with a war inside yourself, some words mm. like that. And I think it will literally come out somewhere along the line. Mm. Look, isn't it a juggle? What do you bring up and what don't you? Because if you bring up every single thing and make a big thing out of it, you know, especially if you're the woman, the man's going to think the marriage is just terrible because you're always complaining about something, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and and he might give up, he might lose hope. So there is a sense where you've got to self-talk again and go, is this something worth going through or do I just need to go Mm -hmm. for a walk and get my head around it and think positively and generously, you know. Mm. you touched on something there with men and nagging. Do you think it's true that men think that women are always at them and nagging? Most of the men I know think that. <laughs> <laughs> and again, how do you how do you phrase things so it doesn't sound like nagging? Hmm, that's another big issue. It's not even in the conflict one, so it's <laughs> conversation. It's probably more in the what does a man really need and what does a woman really need, but. It it is so true, I think, that women are more emotional gatekeepers of a marriage and they'll notice when things don't feel right. And I I do think we're more complicated. I I am not a sense of everyone is the same. I think genders are different. I think God made us different. Um, And I think that our ability to test the um, temperature of the marriage is a God-given thing. It depends what we do with it. 
But a lot of men I know, most men I know, just want a home where they can relax in. Mm. And a woman wants one that's nice and vibrant and alive and moving along and we're growing and, you know, and, and that can be, be a pressure. And I think for a man in his 30s especially, this has stuck with me, a man between 30 and 40 or 35 and 45, they do need somewhere to relax and the homes aren't always relaxing, are they? So the more pockets of relaxing we can give them and the more we can deal with their own issues and only bring up the, you know, the important things not hide the important things. But, yeah, we, we certainly can't be the person he doesn't want to come home to. Mm. I don't want to say this is, a, this is what works for us, but I find uh, and I feel like it's a sacrifice as I'm in a season of young kids, but to give my husband that outlet. So for him it's the gym. So we say and like, you know, an hour, half an hour every day, you need to go and exercise because that's his – uh, I guess what you're saying about coming home and relaxing, that's his outlet to get out his frustration, to work through anxieties and just you know, even release some of that physical tension that men carry. Another friend is similar. Her husband doesn't exercise, but he does other things. Like, I don't know, you could be a gamer or whatever, but to actually go, you have time. This is the time as a couple we allocate. It's been so helpful for our marriage. And my husband does that for me too, uh, to go, you need a break. You need to go and exercise or for me, work on this podcast or read your Bible or do all of these things to work as a team and go, here's some time. So when it is chaotic, you know that it's coming you know that you're going to get a break and you can deal with the chaos of children. Mm. And, and what you're describing, I just wish we could, you know, bottle it and give it to a whole bunch of other young couples because what you're building there is a real sense of I care about you and I care about us. Like it's mm. not just I'm the mother now and, you know, that's the way it is. And a lot of marriages do become very child-centric. Mm. And in reality, it might feel like it's going to go forever, but you will be alone again, you two, mm. you know, every couple. You will be alone together and you've got to be able to turn to each other and know what each other, know who each other is. Mm. And, know, and, and know, hope that you like each other after 20 years. That's right. And it and and the, all the things that I've heard you saying are, are, are things that will help that process. And if this podcast can help people go, oh, I'll pick up that, I'll pick up that, then great mm. because this is the time of the most pressure, the most lack of time, sleep, you know, busyness mm. and all the rest of it. But it goes so quickly and mm. you need to be still a couple at the end of it. You, you want to still remember the man you fell in love with, the woman you fell in love with, and it won't be as heady as it was, but it'll be solid and deep and mm. then you will you will get your convertible and drive off into the sunset. <laughs> I think that's what's hard when you hear oh, you know, men 30 to 40, they just need that space to relax. I think that adds this whole other pressure that you feel like you need to make sure that it's that calm house for your husband. I'm not sure, but it's not always the reality that you can provide that. And so I think that's where if you can work out together what would work, it's a together thing. It's not the wife just has to make everything happy for him and he has to make everything happy for his wife. It's that that continuous teamwork. Totally. And actually giving that space with a thoughtful heart rather than a well, you got to go and play golf I didn't get to go and play golf you know that that's the whole key you know it's um that's why for us we have to schedule it in so that we know that it's coming and have that little carrot dangling for you yeah um, so it doesn't feel unfair or like one's always giving more than the other 
Yeah. And that works really well if you've got, you know, a non-commuting husband who doesn't have mm. to get on a train at 5.30 and get home at 7. You know, mm. everyone's everyone's situation is different. But mm. I do think there's resources out there that couples do need to talk about and use, you know, friends, grandparents and things like that just to get that time singularly and together. And, yeah. um, and, and that just builds a base of we actually like each other and we like the life we've got we've just got to mm. we've just got to deal with it and as far as the conflict goes that that will help because in reality the conflicts can feel like huge when they happen Mm-mm. but unless they're happening every single day you've got more positives and negatives in your marriage and you've got to try and remember that you know build the mm. positives in and they'll help you get through the negative times and over a long marriage even when you feel really bad and you go oh what's going on you look back and you go well we got through that and we got through that mm. and we got through that and if you have you know you've built something that you just rely on and you know all that and God's strength and just keeping yourself strong with God through it all makes you much more resilient and just getting a grip on the reality of life that it isn't going to be heaven here on mm. earth and uh, that's what we look forward to. But we won't be married anyway, but you know, <laughs> we'll, um, we'll have learned a lot along the way, I think. Mm. From what you were saying, it sounds like a little bit like building muscle, tear, repair, Tear, repair. But what do you think is happening for the couple who just feels like they're having the same argument over and over? Like, here we go again. How did we get into this? Will we ever agree? Should we just give up? Because we'll never agree. Do you have any wisdom for them? I do have a sense of whenever you're counselling someone, you're looking at what's a, a circumstantial problem and what's a perpetual problem because there will be perpetual problems that will never be resolved totally. You will have to learn to live with them. But actually coming to accept those things, and they may be personality, family of origin, just differences. You know, I don't like that sort of movie or I don't want to go camping for holidays, those Mm. sorts of things that may never, ever be resolved in that sense. So getting to the bottom of them as early as you can will help you not be in that, oh, here we go again. Mm. But mostly it will be about the old Ephesians verse, love and respect. It'll be a sense of if you're really feeling like you're getting in a spiral again, it's often the wife will feel like you don't love me Mm. and a man who'll feel, well, you you don't respect me, you don't respect my opinion. I do think, and myself included, this is hard, isn't it, Um, that we often feel we just know best for the family, for the marriage, and so we push it and the guy just goes, oh, here we go again. You know, I can Mm. never make you happy. You're a bottomless pit. That's hard. Mm. But a spiral of here we go again, stop and think, is this a circumstantial? Is it just because you want to go to the movies and I want to go out to dinner or is it a perpetual thing that we're going to hit up again and again and again? And if so, if it's really that bad, get some help with it because there's Mm. a lot of good help out there. There's a lot of good things you can do for yourself just by reading well and, you know, keeping your own life as calm as it can Mm. there's also professional help you can get to if you're really in a spiral that just is it's over and over and over again and years down the track you're just going oh my goodness what have I done Mm. (laughs) then go get some help for that one Mm. Uh, so practically get help what were would you have any books or podcasts or videos or anything that you would recommend Oh, gosh, off the top of my head, there's so many good books. If you're a Christian mum, you, you can you can do your theological type books, which are helpful because they do put you in a perspective, you know, The Meaning of Marriage, Tim Keller, One Flesh, I forget who wrote that one. There, there's lots on sex as well. 
I think Julie Slattery is quite helpful yeah. with her Java with Julie. Yeah, I love that one too, as you know. Um, mostly on intimacy, but still very good if that's, you know, where you're finding the conflict as well. She's, I mean, she's an expert in that. It's great. So that's mm. authentic intimacy or Java with Julie. John Gottman is a good, not so much Christian, but certainly not anti. You know, there's a lot of really good normal books that, mm. um, that are still very helpful. But it's definitely on something about a successful marriage. There's plenty of John Gottman, G-O-T-T-M-A-N books that are very good. And another one that I've found really helpful, and I can't tell you the author without going away either, is Why Women Talk and Men Walk. And that's on the basis of the difference in genders when you feel that your husband just won't talk to you about anything, what's going on for him, and how can I get to the bottom of my problems if you won't talk to me? So why women talk and men walk is a good good. one to understand the differences. I will look all of these up and put them in the show notes for anyone wanting to follow them up. If you see a lot of books by the same author, then you're probably on a good thing. If you only see one, it might be just a flash in the pan. (laughs) Good advice. Yeah, that's right. I have a little bit of a different kind of question to the train that we've been going down, but I have heard it regularly around the place and was wondering if you'd have any advice. Just because we're women, do you feel like we have to submit to our husbands and concede to how they think they should be doing something? Or how does the role of submission work into conflict? Sure, that's a big one. Listen to Julie Slattery on that one. She's great. (laughs) She's got a really good podcast on um, what does biblical submission really look like. It's certainly, obviously, the Bible is a respecter of male and female, and I don't go along with the Bible putting women down at all. I think it elevates women's position in so many ways, which we can't, you know, list everything in it. I do think if you've got a husband who will listen to your opinion and you actually really, really disagree with something, which I've done in my marriage where I've said, I do not think this is good for the family. I cannot see this working. I've been strong in my opinion. Mm. I think you can just say that strongly and then go and I leave it with you. Mm. Um, I haven't had to, the one time in my life where I actually did that, the circumstance didn't come about, so I didn't have to submit, but I was willing to. And mm. I think the ability to say, look, you are the leader, you are the, the head of the family, and I hear that you've listened to me, so I'm glad you've listened to me and these are my reasons. Mm. But then you've got to just listen to his reasons too. But some men do some pretty stupid things, let's be real, mm. and you've got to call it on, on it sometimes. You know, you've got to. You've got to otherwise, you, you're not caring your side of the relationship or your side of the family. So I don't agree with submitting without, in the sense of without being heard. I think we all should be respecting each other. Mm. And I think there's a big difference if he says, I hear you, I hear your concerns, X, Y, Z. He knows what you're saying. Mm. However, I really do think that this is the best way forward. I think that's a bit of a different circumstance to submit and go along with what he says. But if it's if you're not being heard... Do you have any advice there if he's not understanding what you're saying or he's not, um, it's not that partnership, it's just, well, he thinks this, so that's what we do. And I'm repeatedly not being heard. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to really start to look down, um, sadly, an abusive relationship if you're never being heard and never being taken into account. So that's mm-hmm. a whole different story. We can't go into that one here. But I do think there's times where if you think something's illegal or immoral, um, you know, we've had people that 
husbands might say, well, I really think, you know, we should be doing this and (laughs) inviting other people into the bedroom and things like that. Well, no, (laughs) don't submit to that above submitting to God, do you? Mm. So you have to just say no. And not all women are married to Christian husbands who get this at all. So they are they are trying to be a light to their husbands while they have husbands who are not biblically minded, who are not thinking about them. Um, there would be times where you would not submit. In that case, you don't have a you don't have a head of the house if he's blatantly asking you to do something immoral or illegal or whatever. But a lot of the times, it'll just be real preferences that you know I don't want to move north. You know, you want to take the position up in Townsville and I don't want to go. I've had couples in those situations and, boy, it's a tough one. Mm. I don't think it ever goes well not to hear each other out and in the end if he says we're going and you're a Christian couple then you've got to think about going, I think. That's, mm. my, that's my experience of submission where it really counts at the end of it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. Would you have any advice that you could offer to us as wives as we invest in our marriage? Is there anything we could be doing um, to strengthen our relationship with our husband? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Heaps. Wake up every day, pray for him. I pray for my husband every morning as I roll over. Sometimes it's very short. (laughs) But I had to put it in, in the day or it wouldn't happen. So I just roll over and when I'm usually awake first, just have a quick prayer, puts my mind on him, what he needs, how I can, um, you know, love and serve him. And I don't do it very well lots of the time, but I think I'd do it worse if I didn't pray for him. Mm. So you can do that. Um, You've touched on a lot, giving time, tackling things as a team, try and get a weekend away together for your anniversary or to go to a marriage retreat, something like that. You know, I, I don't know too many couples who manage the date night thing, but mm. if you can, I know a couple who've managed it and I think wonderful because then you're actually re, you're actually realising you're not just a family, you are a couple. Mm. Um, yeah, read good books, talk to your friends. Not many people will like to talk about their marriage. Like if you've got a few good friends that will you can talk to, get a, a, a friend of the marriage, as I call it, which where you can actually just say, would you pray for me? I wouldn't tell too many people but if you've got one or two that you feel are on your side and will help you through that's great and um, there's a really good question that uh, Linda Dillo asked who's a friend of Julie Slattery's and she said just every now and then ask your husband this question what's it like to be married to me (laughs) isn't that scary anyone want the answer to that question? she wrote a whole book on that one so that's a good one to read too what's it like to be married to me oh my goodness you talk about humility that's where it's going to hit well, my <laughs> advice would just be really pick your timing when you ask that question <laughs> had a really good day yeah ask, ask and you put out the best favorite meal and you know it's a good question to ask because what if they actually did answer that? What's it like to be married to me? It won't all be good. No one no one will have a 100% scorecard, will they? No. no. <laughs> uh, it's funny. What encouragement would you offer people in the younger years of their marriage or those with younger kids? Or how would you encourage them in this season? Yeah. In the season of really busyness with family, I'd encourage you that I know everyone says it doesn't last long, but it really doesn't. So try and milk the joy out of it and try and laugh 
try <laughs> I know this sounds really weird but get a get something on the tv that'll make you both laugh for half an hour and then laugh um because sometimes if you don't laugh you'll cry um <laughs> you will look back on these years with fondness believe it or not you will and if you've got any I know this is another funny practical thing too but I've got a, a screen a tv screen that just flicks up photos all the time and the memories that comes back are good ones obviously you don't take photos of horrible things but why I'm saying these funny little practical things is because you can feel in this time of your marriage and life that it's it's overwhelming and it's never going to end and it's all too much work and it is a lot of work so practically laughing finding something to make you laugh looking on memories but get some practical help if there's any financial ability to pay a cleaner to clean your bathroom once a month you know something like that or whatever it is because the time you'll save you'll you'll appreciate that more than the money you'll save like it'll go on something else for sure um, and the, finally, with those with multiple children, I do think it's important not to, and I don't know how you do this, Laura, in your, your age group, but the comparison game, the Instagram posts, the, everything that you think everyone else's family is just wonderful and mine's not, um, that's just not helpful. So if you can turn off from that stuff or if you can laugh at it, <laughs> could just go well that's not us enjoy your little triumphs where things are fun and the kids are sitting at the table and eating the meal but sometimes you just gotta yeah just realize it will pass and you will you will have been investing in your family if you're bringing them to church if you're praying for them if you're reading things with them no matter what else happens in the day if you have a few good routines where you know that you give them a cuddle you say you love them but you also give your husband a cuddle and say you love him you make time with your date nights or your weekend away or you don't neglect the bedroom stuff which is a whole new topic um Mm -hmm. then you will you will make it you look around you how many people do you know i mean there's lots of divorces i know but most people make it and mm. they they look back at your young families and go, oh, <laughs> I remember that. Um, but usually don't want to go back there. So that's where we're at <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah. So pray, time, laugh, create your memories. And don't get too busy comparing yourself. Try not to pack your week out too much. Try and keep your Sundays a bit quiet. Yeah. And don't yeah. be. Don't be doing so many things that you never see each other and you feel like a tag team couple and try and find some of the simple pleasures. And if you could make the simple pleasures seem amazing to your children, you know, like if you can make getting an ice cream on Sunday nights just fantastic, you know, because you don't have it every night, then you're building funny little memories that, that are easy to keep up. And it, and the times as you work through the conflicts to just keep generously thinking of him or her and realize you'll get through it and god's given us a great gift in marriage a great gift but we are sinful people who need help with it so get the help you need oh kim thank you for coming on the show and chatting through conflict with us i'm sure like me others have been really encouraged by this conversation and the reminder to find joy and like my husband since having kids it's so easy to fall into life revolving around them or all the other things we seem to have going on but I've appreciated the reminder to stop and think about us, to acknowledge the challenges that we face as a couple, but that he's not the tennis ball I need to whack. He's my other player, 
and we've got to get on the same side of the court and whack that ball together and do this season well. It's been so helpful. This is just a season and it seems impossible to imagine, but one day we'll just be us again. So, Mama, I hope that you too have been encouraged to work hard and make sure that we know and like our husbands when that day eventually comes, but to also enjoy our time as we get there. Kim's going to finish up today's show by praying for us. Lord, you are a great and gracious God who's given us this gift of marriage. The sinful people that we are, the people who come with baggage and the people who want more than we can ever expect from a partner, I pray that you'll help us all to actually realise that um, this gift of marriage is for this earth only and that a relationship with you is eternal. So help us to focus, help me to focus, help Laura to focus on a relationship that's growing with you, Jesus, and that will flow out into our marriages and into uh, our mothering. I do pray that you'll keep Satan at bay. He has so many ploys to discourage us, to make us think badly of our partners or badly of ourselves. I pray that you'll keep him at bay all the while feeding us with good, positive things from your word. Help us to seek out people who are in, uh, can invest in our marriages, can help us through tough times, for books and podcasts and things that we can do. At the same time, help us to relax knowing that, yeah, we're never going to get it per- perfect and we're never going to be uh, glorious people until we're glorious with you. At the same time, Let's do what we can do and let's pray for the help that we need. And we know you are always mindful of us, that we are in your thoughts, that you love marriage, you love family, you, you're going to come for your bride, the church anyway, as a, as a husband that will be perfect for us. We thank you for that and pray that you help us live our lives in our marriages dealing with, resolving with and getting to the deeper issues so that we might be a great witness to the people around us and a good help for others, couples that are struggling. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.